Coming up on podcast 1598, EV sales continue to dominate Netherlands, France and Germany. All up on the show today. Stick around. Also, we're talking about Bosch warning about over-reliance on batteries, but could that be because they're spending money on other forms of propulsion? Well, we'll wait and see. What's inside Tesla's 4680 battery? It has been unraveled, and we will have a look at why EV batteries are lasting longer than ever predicted. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're listening around the world. Welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information. First one of the week, Monday 19th of September. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. Let's take a rundown of where things are across Europe. Clean Technica. I've had a look at the Netherlands, France and Germany. They're all up. We'll start with the Netherlands and the Dutch auto market, uh, seeing some big growth for electric vehicles. And the plug-in market is grown by 20% year on year in the month of August. But what's doing well? It's the Lincoln Co. plug-in hybrid. Now, that's not a car that I'm massively familiar with. Obviously, I know about it and know people that have driven it and tested it and stuff. But the Lincoln Co. plug-in hybrid was August's bestseller in the Netherlands. Interesting, the only plug-in hybrid in the entire table. And that car alone was responsible for a fifth of all plug-in hybrid sales in the Netherlands. So it does excuse the data a bit. Uh, but what about pure electric vehicles? Well, VW Group doing really well with the e-tron, the ID3, ID4. ID5 is now in the top 20 as well. And those cars continue to ramp up. In France, though, plug-in vehicles are still on the rise and two-digit growth for plug-in vehicles last month in August in France. The year-to-date, let's say 200,000, because it's 195,000 registrations in France so far this year for plug-in vehicles, but heck, we're all friends. 200,000! Can you believe it? Hey, and it might well be, actually, because this is August's data. Uh, Market share is 20% and 12% for pure electric cars. So, looking around the world, 20% is uh, actually, for some Western countries, a little on the low side these days, France. I know my US listeners thinking, what? That's huge. And it is mega. Uh, looking at the bestseller, Renault Megane EV. And th- the reason that's impressive was it's the second month that it's been the bestseller. And Renault are still ramping the Megane EV. So when they're fully up to speed with that, it's going to be a huge seller. And in Germany, I mentioned these figures a few days ago, the the top lines, um, there were 32,000 pure BEV registrations last month. In August, that's 16% of the new car market. And plug-in hybrids helping a little bit. And they went up 2%. But Germans really love their pure electric cars. It's now 28% of the entire automotive market in Germany. Europe's biggest car market, by the way, uh, and that's uh, both month on month, uh, sorry, month of August and year to date as well. And so by the end of the year, Clean Technica say that in the low 30s could be possible by the end of the year. Uh, not just possible, but likely, in fact, uh, a third of the entire new vehicle market in Europe's biggest car market will be plug-in cars. That's deeply, deeply impressive. And it shows that these, you know, these newfangled electric cars, they're not just happening. They're really moving their way into the mainstream right now. It's a real pleasure to do this podcast over the last few, or four and a half years odd, because the changes that I've seen alone have been just immense. And that adoption curve is just, it's 
And people talk about exponential growth and it's hard sometimes to, you know, you get it theoretically, intellectually. When you see it actually happening, man, oh man, it's so good to have clean, green electric vehicles on the roads all over the world. Now, let's talk about Tesla next. They want to double their sales in Germany. Tesla can see that Germany is about to take off. Like I say, that S-curve, it's about to take off in Germany. And Tesla think they can significantly increase their sales in Germany, where they opened a new assembly plant only in March. Building those two Model Ys, the Long Range and the Performance Edition, Tesla said, our goal is to double sales every year. That'll be 80,000 this year. And that was a Tesla executive talking to Automotive News Europe's sister publication, Automobil Vogue. Now... Uh, interesting that anyone from Tesla says anything when it's not just the CEO who's allowed to tweet and make statements on behalf of the company. It does happen occasionally. They let people out of their box and they, they make a statement or two. And we're grateful for it because often you learn a lot. In August, Tesla's sales were up 40% in Germany. Its market share in Germany alone was up uh, to 2.7%, and the Model Y was the overall top-selling car in private buyers. So strip out fleet buyers in Germany, and the Model Y, massively popular. Overall top-selling car. Overall top-selling car last month with private buyers. Tesla's Berlin Gigafactory is picking up the pace of production. The ramp-up is going well, according to Tesla. I'll pop a link to Automotive News Europe in the show notes so you can read more. By the way... By the way, there was that story that I threw a bit of cold water on that Tesla are going to stop battery, stop their plans to make batteries in Germany. I don't believe that. It was a single source story from the Wall Street Journal. I, it doesn't make any sense to me from air, all the data points that I look at, the background reading that I do for this podcast to bring it to you, and for my own interest as well. Let's face it, super nerd, zip up the anorak. But I don't, I just, I will be massively surprised if Tesla stop their battery. They've built the building. They're doing the fit-outs. The machines are on their way. Um, anyway, but I'm continuing to look for evidence either way on that, and I'll bring, when I find something worth putting into some sort of story and a set of words that make sense, and this podcast doesn't always make sense, then I will bring that to you later in the week. Germany's Bosch. Now, Bosch are, I did confirm that after speculating yesterday, uh, the world's number one supplier to the automotive industry. I've been talking about batteries. Europe's energy crisis offers a hard lesson on the risks of focusing on one fuel source, say Bosch. And Bloomberg.com have an article about this. Uh, and Marcus Hain is the head of mobility services at Bosch. So that sounds like a pretty senior position. When he talks, we should listen. He says, and I quote, in the automotive industry, we should use this occasion to ask ourselves, what can we do if there should ever be too few battery cells? End quote. I've got a few thoughts, as you can imagine, on that. Um, he says that we should use this occasion. I think the occasion he's referring to is the energy crisis that we're having. And, and if you're not familiar with that, or you're one of my global listeners around the world, and you haven't, you know, not paying attention, not your fault, uh, is Europe is having an energy crisis. Putin invaded Ukraine. And whether countries buy Russian gas or not, we don't. We bought 3 or 4% of it of our total annual usage. We've now stopped buying all of Russian gas. The, the point is, it puts the global price up. Now, here, even though we're the windiest country in Europe, and we've got all the wind, we hog all of the wind, it's all ours in the UK. And yet, 
we don't build enough onshore or offshore wind. If we did, we could be energy independent. Either way, uh, with a bit of storage on top of that, a bit of solar and storage, and Bob's your uncle, we'll be off and away. Now, that hasn't happened for political reasons, and um, successive conservative governments, as they call it, uh, they call this green crap. That was actually our prime minister. The way that he describes what we talk about, EVs, renewables, the green, cut the green crap is how our government see it. Isn't that, isn't that lovely, everyone? Anyway, um, so we don't buy Russian gas, but Germany buy a lot, and they used to, and that's driving up the price um, of also LNG. And, and uh, you know, and so energy is, is crazy at the moment. Bills have gone up four or fivefold. And, you know, family, genuinely families are going to have hard decisions this winter. Um, it's, it's horrible. Let's not get, get, get into it right now. So I think when Mr. Bosch says on this occasion he's referring to that, and he says, we ask ourselves, what can we, can, what can we do if there are too few battery cells? Um, no, we ask ourselves that every day, Mr. Bosch, because there are too few battery cells today. There are too few. Demand versus supply, there are too few batteries, Mr. Bosch. That's not we should ask ourselves this theoretical situation. But luckily, he's got an answer, right? Because he said, what do we do if there's not enough batteries, of which there haven't been enough for the past few years. He says, in that case, everyone would certainly, this is a quote, everyone would certainly like to see an alternative to batteries, but this will only exist if we've prepared in good time. Battery alternatives, he says, telling the newspaper, uh, include hydrogen fuel cells that use hydrogen to power electric motors, the infrastructure being developed for long-haul trucks that he says is suited as a backbone to supplying passenger cars. And I couldn't agree, disagree with him more. I think hydrogen will have a wonderful place in heavy industry, maybe heavy trucking, uh, maybe aviation and possibly trains, almost definitely getting the steel industry off of coking coal. And then we talk about, this is not going to be, I don't do rants, but this isn't a rant, by the way, but, you know, we talk about cars, clean, green EVs. Look, if a car is made out of steel, if a car is made out of steel, you've probably burnt some coal to make that steel. And if we can increase the amount of recycled steel, and there is a very robust global economy in steel recycling, by the way, it's not new, but we can, it can be better, but it's not new. Um, but also, creation of new steel with electricity and green hydrogen, that will probably work. rather, And it'll get us off coking coal. But as for hydrogen, he says we're going to build out a network. We're going to build out a network. This is what all hydrogen supporters say. We're going to build out a network for trucks, for long-haul trucking, he says. And then that'll be the backbone for passenger cars. It simply won't. Because we're going to need a hydrogen filling station, what, every 50 miles? Who's going to pay for that? Is Bosch paying for that? No. Are the OEMs paying? No. Will governments pay? No, they've got no money. Will the individuals, like the taxpayers, pay? No, absolutely not. So it won't be built. The hydrogen network has been 30 years. For the last studies, coming in the next two to five years, and it always will be. So hydrogen has a very, very good future in heavy industry in certain areas. For personal mobility, for me and you to go down the shops and get a pint of milk and a loaf of bread, it absolutely is a terrible idea. Uh, but Bosch, Mr. Bosch is saying here, hey, if we run out of batteries, we're going to need hydrogen. Well, hey, <laughs> we have run out of batteries, and we are fixing it. And hopefully hydrogen happens as well. It's not either or, but it's not for personal mobility. Hey, just my opinion. I may, I may well be wrong. I normally am. That's the first half of the podcast coming up very soon. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about Tesla's 4680 cells because the Monroe Live channel have shown one of those being torn apart, and it's very interesting. And we look at a Tesla-powered electric race car. Stick around. Those stories are on the way. 
Let's talk the 4680 battery. That is the form factor. You know, 4680 means something different to everybody if you watch Tesla's Battery Day. Uh, but it is just a form factor. It's the sizing of the external dimensions. And the Munro Live channel, really want to get Corey on this podcast. Um, and I'd love to have Sandy on, but, you know, I'd love to have Corey on because he is a legend. I love, love watching his stuff on, on Munro Live. Um, let's get him on, on a Saturday special interview. And they tore apart a 4680 cell that they got out of a Model Y. And I must admit, it does look pretty conventional. Now, I'm not a battery expert. Uh, they call it tabless, but by rather than having one tab, they just have loads and loads of small tabs. But that is called tabless design, even though it's got multiple tabs. But there we go. Uh, tabless design. Um, the chemistry is nickel, cobalt, manganese. It's all very conventional. 811 on that. Um, energy density, all pretty conventional. Uh, and the, you know, if you watch Battery Day, you probably came away from that watching Tesla on stage going like, wow, this is a game changer. You know, this could be step one. It looks, you know, it's, it's a cell can, it's a jelly roll. It's if they're using the new techniques um, from the companies they variously acquired, then they're probably working their way through the system. Uh, but at the minutes, uh, we know those 46 millimeter diameter cells will be used not only by Tesla but the likes of BMW, CATL, Eve Energy, uh, LG, Panasonic, Samsung and more saying they're going to make them. Now the website Autoevolution have something to say on this as well. They say the battery doesn't look very revolutionary. Uh, the first uh, teardowns show key elements are missing. And it's using graphite, not silicon, as promised. Uh, the cells would use a cobalt-free high nickel cathodes. Not true. Those cells are using NMC. Are they are ternary cells. In other words, the big advantages that we were told about the 4680s, they don't have at the minute, but they might in the future. Like, let's wait and see. These cells were made at a point in time, and you know, in six months, a year, they could be, they probably will be better, by the way. Uh, the dry battery electrode coating technology, which was supposed to be used um, more than a year ago. We don't know if these cells use that technology. Tesla haven't really referenced it, so that's a TBC uh, next to that one. Auto Evolution website thinks it's not. Otherwise, Tesla would have crowed about it. But I don't know. I think I don't think you can say, actually. I think you've got to give Tesla the benefit of the doubt on that one. At the minute, these new cells look more conventional than we thought they were going to be, but there's probably scope for improvement. Now, carrying on the classic look and feel of a vintage Formula One car, the Bandit 9 team, cool name for your company, Bandit 9, is showcasing the all-electric Monaco sports car. And the single-seat chassis has a carbon construction, which is a blank canvas to add on, you know, liveries and things like that. It's low, it's aggressive, Looks like a Formula One car, and inside it, they have put the innards of a Model S. Now, the DuPontRegistry.com website says they're using the LFP cells from a Model S. Well, yeah, they don't use LFP cells in Model Ss, so that's a bit incorrect. But either way, uh, this car is obviously very lightweight. It's a real sports car, innards of a Tesla. But even though it's a Model S inside, I don't, they don't say whether it's plaid or not, but it's 2.7 seconds 0 to 60. Well, look, the, the, the road car that will carry your family and, and, and shopping home <laughs> goes quicker than that. Uh, but I'm sure this goes around the corners quicker. 150 grand if you want to configure one of these and get one in your driveway. Tesla's full self-driving is getting a driving test, according to TheVerge.com. If you've ever wondered why... Uh, there are so many full self-driving videos from the US and none from the European Union. It's because we don't allow it. So if you have a Tesla over here, you'll know this, you know, 
more than most, uh, it, the, the, the self-driving stuff that we see on those YouTube videos just doesn't exist over here. Uh, because our regulators in the European Union points out The Verge have to ask for permission to put these technologies on the rule where on the roads whereas in America it's a self-certify technique and that does include autonomous technologies that are critical to safety even in the US they can self-certify and say no no it's all good uh Elon Musk himself I think summed it up best didn't he say something like in the US everything's legal by default in Europe everything's illegal by default and I think that's actually yeah it's pretty true uh, that's why you have to get type approval Uh, to launch a new product. Riding in a US-made automobile was risky in the early part of this century, uh, the 20th century. Uh, 16 Americans were killed per 100 million miles driven um, in 1929, says The Verge. Ten times more than today's rate. And things only really got fixed in the 1960s with the bestseller Unsafe at Any Speed. Even then, it took until 1970 for Congress to think of the NHTSA. And even then, it's not like the aviation safety standards, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. That operates in America like cars operate over here in Europe. So if you want to launch a new airplane, you have to prove that it's safe, and then they'll license it. It's why in the United States, there was 0.07 aviation fatalities per billion miles travelled, it's a hundredth of the rate of those in cars. Now, Europeans, this is a horrible stat to read out, but anyway, if you live in Europe, you are much less likely to die in a car crash than in America. In France, it's a third. And that is just wrong. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's easy to sit over here and say, like, our, our way is the best way. Americans should copy us. But... If a car company that wants to develop a new, or deploy a new technology points out theverge.com that is not yet regulated over here, then you have to demonstrate the feature is as safe as a vehicle without it, a requirement that has an impact on driver assistance systems, and that includes over-the-air updates. You can't just send an over-the-air update willy-nilly every couple of days. Those are regulated as well. And you know what it does? It forces car makers, even though you get your updates slower, it forces car makers not to have the sort of Silicon Valley mentality of ship it. Just ship it as beta and we'll fix it later, which a lot of people are happy about. Um, It forces the car company to get it right first time. And I'm sure that's inconvenient for them. Some differences I thought I'd fill you in on why Teslas drive one way in the US and an entirely different way over here. Now, let's talk about why electric car batteries are lasting longer than ever predicted. Almost all of the EV batteries we've ever made are still in their cars, say Nissan. Almost all of the electric car batteries we ever made are still in the cars, said Nissan. And we've been selling them for 12 years. Uh, The worry was once that the world would... what, What would you do with all those millions of EV batteries that were being spat out of cars at the end of their lifetime? A glut of EV batteries going into landfill. But Nissan point out that since 2010, making the Nissan Leaf, that the initiatives to recycle lithium-ion cells in EV batteries, everyone's got one of those initiatives. Everyone's got a program ready to go. All the big car makers have. They just can't get the batteries because they're not sort of degrading as quick as everyone thought. Uh, Nissan say, we haven't got a great big stock of batteries that we can convert into something else. That's um, the UK marketing director for Nissan, Nick Thomas, 
speaking. It's the complete opposite of what people feared when we first launched EVs, that the batteries would last a short time. At the end of a vehicle's life, 20 years down the road, you take the battery out of the car, it's still healthy. Nissan has collected a small number of Leaf batteries from crashed vehicles, warranty repairs or replacements and you know, they've done some things with them uh, the big example i can think of is the johan cruyff arena in amsterdam uh, where ajax play football they got uh, four thousand odd solar panels on the roof and 148 old nissan leaf batteries storing energy but apart from that you know used batteries are just still being used in their original cars. And I love that story to finish on today. Question of the week is making a a return after a short break. Um, You can email me anything, anytime. Especially if you think I'm wrong about something. Uh, Hello at evnewsdaily.com. I'd love to learn, you know, because the great thing about the audience of this podcast, unlike if I drop into Facebook or Twitter, uh, is it's full of adults who like to share their opinion. And I, if I can you know, have a greater understanding of the world because you can send me an email to go, oh, you got that bit wrong about something, you know, then I'd love to, I'd love to get up to speed on, on stuff that, uh, you know, maybe I don't fully understand. So if you can help me out anytime, my email address is hello at evnewsdaily.com. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley's got a YouTube channel called EV Review Island. And my goodness, when does that man get time to sleep? He's so busy. Check it out. Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Universe, they make global public charging simple they got one map one app i tap my card some old school and it just works first time it's awesome and millbrookcottages.co.uk now hit up that website book your stay five-star luxury cottages in devon and you can even charge your ev while you're there have a good and see you tomorrow and remember there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid